The Gospel today is Mark 16, verses 1 to 8. And you can find it on page 1023 in your church Bibles. That's Mark 16, 1 to 8. Hear the Gospel of St. Mark. When the Sabbath was over... Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early, on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter... He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone, because they were afraid. This is the Gospel of the Lord. So loving God, thank you for your word to us. Thank you for these stories of uh, your life, Lord Jesus. Help us to understand something more of who you are and who we are in light of that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, we're at the end of our short series on Mark's Gospel. I'm sure you're all very sad. Uh, We've looked at the, uh, the first chapter in Mark uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we're challenged to think about what it means for us to respond uh, to God in being called immediately and uh, following immediately. That was the sort of sense of of chapter one. And also what it means for us uh, to be partners with God in building the kingdom of God in the here and now. Um, Last week, um, I am assuming it still happened that that Daniel came and spoke about uh, the stories in Mark chapter 5, about the woman uh, who was bleeding for 12 years and the the 12-year-old girl, uh, Jairus' daughter, who was raised from the dead. And today, we're looking at this ending um, of Mark's gospel in chapter 16. Uh, Just a reminder, if you haven't already picked it up or seen it, there are some of these out um, at the table at the back on on the, well, my left here, Um, just to give you some of the patterns uh, that you will find in Mark's Gospel if you read it uh, through for yourself, which I do thoroughly recommend. I think I said it's the shortest Gospel, so if you're looking for something to read uh, through Lent... um, that, that would be quite a good uh, discipline. So that gives you some of the patterns and the context of Mark's gospel. 
so just to remind you, we feel, we think that Mark's gospel um, is probably an eyewitness account. Uh, it's thought to be the first of the gospels written, so it has a kind of priority. Um, the, the patterns that you find in Mark's gospel are those things of it being urgent. Now, everything is now at once, immediately. Uh, and we certainly saw that in the, in the first chapter with some of that language. And we see it now, we saw it in today's reading as well. So it was, um, it was, uh, in the first, at the first day of the day, the first day of the week. Um, and there was, there was that sort of sense of, um, something which was new, very present that had just begun. And of course, on Easter morning, it is the first day of the first week. Um, in that sense, something new has just begun. The world is not the same on that day um, as any day before it. Uh, so we have these urgencies, this immediacy, um, and the at-onceness of Mark's gospel. And then we turn to the theme of today's uh, reading, and it's that sense of being afraid, uh, which weaves itself in and out and through the text of Mark's gospel and is found uh, quite stunningly, really, here at the end. Uh, I mentioned that Mark was traditionally thought to be the disciple who you will find, if if you want to have a look, um, in chapter 14. Uh, in verse 51, where it says, a certain young man was following him. That's after Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. So a certain young man was following him, wearing nothing but a linen cloth. They caught hold of him, but he left the linen cloth and ran off naked. Now, nakedness is very symbolic in Scripture. Uh, just as we today would talk about it in a way uh, to say that we were feeling a bit exposed. We might say, I felt a bit naked, you know, or we have those anxiety dreams, don't we? Well, okay, maybe you might not. But I think it's quite a common one where you find yourself at school or on stage and either you've forgotten your lines or, or somehow you've forgotten your underwear or something like that. We understand this symbolism of being naked and feeling exposed. And it indicated that this certain young man was exposed. The reality of the lack of being able to stand beside Jesus when it came to the crunch was laid bare, quite literally. And uh, it's thought that Mark is really writing about himself and his own unmasking, as it were. Often in the plot of a life story, or our life story, in fact, we would quite like to be heroes, um, wouldn't we? And the story of Jesus and his disciples is an epic story. It's like epic with a big E. You know, it should have been one of those epic movies, you know, with Charlton Heston. Um, One of those probably... Uh, you know, was in, in the Old Testament stories, I know the story of Moses, but 
you know, the story of Jesus should be that big action movie. It should be full of heroes and heroic action. And yet, in this epic, which Mark paints for us, this picture that he paints for us, Mark actually unmasks himself. And it's a bit like an anti-Superman story. So you know in the story of Clark Kent, he has his glasses on, which apparently means that no one can recognize him. And, uh, and when he takes his glasses off, those are his mask, everyone realizes who he really is. So who he's not is the bumbling, you know, awkward journalist, you know, in love with Lois Lane who doesn't look at him twice. That's who he's not. And then he unmasks himself. And he's really Superman, this strong, confident hero who is always in the right place at the right time and will inevitably get the girl. Mark's unmasking has the opposite effect. He might have been able to fool everyone up until now, uh, but the reality is that he is afraid He's unreliable. He's not loyal to Jesus. Now, before we start to uh, think, why on earth is Mark's story part of our, uh, our Bible? And what use is it to us if Mark is quite so unreliable? We might remember that just before this, all the other disciples had fled. And it, you know, it's part of the prophecy that Jesus will be left on his own, that they will be like sheep uh, who have been scattered. And that is what happened. Uh, only Peter continues after this uh, to go and follow on after Jesus. Only Peter follows Jesus longer than the naked disciple. So the story of this certain young man in Gethsemane, uh, whether it was Mark or not in the end, is really a story of hope for us all, I think. Because the reality is that we're all anti-supermen or superwomen, are we not? You know, we all have masks We all present ourselves, sometimes, how we would like to be seen. And in front of the reality of Jesus, all our masks slip. And we are all exposed. So why do we think Mark tells this story? It doesn't show him in the best light, if it is him. It's quite a common theme. John does the same, you know, in in the Gospel of John, there's the beloved disciple who's thought to be John. You know, they talk about themselves in the third person. So I think it's, you know, it's realistic to think that this is Mark talking about himself. But why does he do that? Why does he bother? Uh, What is the response that he is trying to elicit from those who will read and hear this story? in the future? What is he saying to us, to you, in this particular story today? 
And so we have this picture of the Mark who is afraid, and into that we hear the text which Helen read us uh, just now. And we end in verse 8 of chapter 16. Uh, If you are reading it in front of you, you will actually think, well, that's not the end. Why has it ended there? Why has she ended there? Uh, Because actually, there is a longer ending, which ends in verse 20, verses 9 to 20, is the longer ending of Mark, inserted sometime later by an editor of the text. And I wonder why. There's nothing wrong with verses 9 to 20. They're, they're in the Bible. They're biblical truths. Uh, we can accept them as biblical text. But I find it fun to imagine the editor reading Mark's gospel and getting to the end and reading. So they went out and fled from the tomb for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone For they were afraid. The end. And this editor kind of thinking, is that it? There's no, they went out and proclaimed the gospel. There's no meeting Jesus. There's no, you know, celebration of the resurrection. Is that it? This, this paper is going to be sent round the new young churches in the area. Uh, It's barely got about the resurrection. There's no rousing instruction uh, to leave people with. And so the editor adds in some instructions from some of the other endings of the stories of Jesus. And in verse 20 ends with, And they went out and proclaimed the good news everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by the signs that accompanied it. There you go. There's your heroes at the end of that gospel. I would rather they had left it with the original. The original's always better, mostly, isn't it? Especially in films. (laughs) The sequels are never quite as good. And it's the same uh, for me with Mark's gospel. It's uncomfortable to be exposed. But sometimes... We need that because we need to know that it's okay, that we are naked before God. That's the truth. And it's okay. And this ending of Mark forces us uh, to sit with that discomfort. So they went out and fled from the tomb for terror and amazement had seized them and they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid don't rush on away from that away from the discomfort Mark gives us an opportunity Mark's fear captured in the fear of the women who went to the tomb is a mirror to our own response to Jesus. We are used to 
And rest assured we will, in just over six weeks' time, celebrate uh, the resurrection of Jesus. But, for now, we are heading into our Lenten discipline. And perhaps we might sit for a while with the reality of ourselves in the face of God. We might resist the temptation to pretend that we're superheroes of the faith. There's time for the bold and wonderful proclamation of the gospel and recognizing the power that's available to us in the Holy Spirit. Easter and Pentecost are coming. But can I really encourage you just to sit in this moment? for a while, face to face with your response uh, to Jesus, the response of the women knowing that there was a risen Jesus around was to feel terror and amazement and to be afraid. Because the risen Jesus who is coming (laughs) in this story demands something of us. And we are naked and exposed, and there's nowhere to hide from the face of God. So take a deep breath as we walk towards Ash Wednesday and the season of Lent, a season where we are encouraged to strip bare, to acknowledge the reality of our human condition, perhaps to acknowledge that we are afraid, and yet, even in that fear, to set our face towards the hope of Easter, not hiding our fear, but knowing that God comes to us in the very truth of ourselves not with those masks that we might attempt to wear. I'm going to finish now with a poem uh, which uh, is by Malcolm Geit, who I often uh, give you one of his poems. I'm just looking. So we have Mark. I didn't mention this to you at the beginning, but... uh, So we have our four evangelists, and each comes with a symbol, and Mark's symbol is the winged lion, which is interesting. The wings, you can't see the wings of the lion there, but he is the winged lion. The wings are quite indicative of that swiftness, that immediacy, that urgency. Uh, The lion's interesting, isn't it? Because the lion's quite strong and brave. I'm not going to say any more about that, but I think that's quite an interesting symbol for Mark, who was naked and afraid. So this is a sonnet for St. Mark by Malcolm Guite. A winged lion, swift, immediate, Mark is the gospel of the sudden shift. From first to last, from grand to intimate. From strength to weakness, and from debt to gift. 
from a wide desert's haunted emptiness to a close city's fervid atmosphere, from a voice crying in the wilderness to angels in an empty sepulchre. And Christ makes the most sudden shift of all, from swift action as a strong Messiah, casting the very demons back to hell, to slow pain and death as a pariah. We see our Saviour's life and death unmade, and flee his tomb, dumbfounded and afraid. So, loving God, thank you for this picture uh, that you have given us in Mark's story of those different images of strength and weakness, of the image of that lion contrasted uh, with the knowledge that you are the lamb who goes to the slaughter. Help us to open ourselves to, to think about those questions uh, that this has raised for us this morning. And as we head into Lent, may we know you with us, walking that journey in the wilderness. May we not mask ourselves, whoever we are, knowing Uh, that we meet you most fully and truly in the truth of who we are, who you've made us to be, and all the things uh, that we are and sometimes try to hide. Help us as we journey through Lent uh, to understand ourselves and you more deeply so that we may approach Easter Day joyfully, if still a little afraid. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.